thank you for joining us once again for another edition of the Sight and Insight podcast with me, Judy Curtis, and of course, the lovely Lawin Connie Nagel and the equally lovely David P. Curtis. Uh, we've had a, a long rest. Hopefully, uh, our experts here are raring to go, filled with knowledge that they want to share with you about all things art. Hope you all had happy holidays and are starting off the new year as you mean to go on. Uh, our thought for today is uh, Sight and Insight, which by sheer coincidence happens to be the name of our podcast and also the program that David and Connie run uh, for teaching workshops and classes. And so for those of you who might be, uh, might be new to the podcast, let's jump right in uh, talking to Mr. Sight, David, and ask him, why do you call yourself Sight and Insight? That's a good it's a good question. Uh, I think Sight and Insight's been used many, many times over the years for many different reasons, books, titles of books, and probably other programs. And we just felt it really fit, uh, Connie being a, psych- a psychologist and uh, me being a, a, almost from birth, a, a, a painting. I think I was born with a brush in my hand. Um, <laughs> must have been uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me it wasn't. Um, but... Um, uh, and I think Connie's you know, experience with with this, so we we sort of went along with that that, that sort of fit. And also, too, it, it fit in with our understanding of how we wanted to teach painting in the future, which was, yes, sight is obviously very important, and and I had a a very strong training with um, in the Boston School with R. H. Ives Gamble, and uh, seeing and learning to see was the essence of what he taught. And that's, that's exactly what he called it. I'm going to teach you to see. I'm learning to see. And it sounds sort of matter of fact, but it really isn't. And, uh, and, and I've come to learn from Connie's expertise uh, how much insight there is in seeing. Um, and I don't think it's through analytics either. I think this is how it works. And I think we're going to get into that uh, with this podcast and future podcasts uh, about how the brain works. Uh, but as far as seeing goes, when we learn to see, we usually begin by helping the student study nature. And um, it could be as simple as a, uh, let's, let's take a still life and we have a, a bowl, uh, a brown bowl, and in it we have some oranges. And uh, then we have a tablecloth uh, sitting on and maybe that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a cream color. And so we have to see that those items, those are the items, the objects, but we have to see it in a big way. We have to see the whole thing. And that's true seeing. You don't see a pot, you don't see an orange at a time. Even though I've placed the oranges in there one at a time, it's how the oranges are related to everything around it. So the oranges get along with the bowl, the bowl gets along with the tablecloth, and they're all happy-go-lucky <laughs> items in the stilla. But, and I think we've talked about this before, that's the wholeness, that's the gestalt, that's the oneness of how you see. Now then, you have to put that into the painting. And once, if you achieve it correctly, then you, you've learned to see. You've learned to see in that, in that you've captured the unity, the wholeness of your simple objects and has seen everything one in relation to the other and put it into the painting in that manner. And that could lead to so many different ways of understanding seeing, uh, different philosophies, uh, seeing binocular vision, 
seeing one thing in relation to the other, a focus, a focal point, uh, out of focus, in focus, uh, chiaroscuro, all the elements of painting can be used at that point. But I think seeing is just the general term to try to, to try to look at something and try to render it with a brush as, as, as you saw it. And I think that would, uh, the psychologist will also talk to Ari about how it, how it generated, uh, created feelings that you had towards the objects. Um, you're, you were inspired by what you saw because you chose the objects, we assume. But it's that, it's that simplicity. It's a very simple thing. We have so much going on on our, in our, my, my right saying, we have so much going on on our left side of our brain. Mm -hmm. uh, a little computer store, a little IBM <laughs> complex. And as soon as we walk outside the IBM building, we see trees and flowers and plants and, and skies. And right and clouds. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, that's what I would call sign, uh, seeing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, in that case, well, that sounds good. And uh, I'm very interested in the guys in the cubicles looking out at the uh, fields of flowers on the other side of the brain. And uh, for some insight, I think we'll go straight over to Connie and get your take on it. So uh, what, uh, what David was talking about in terms of learning to see is, is critical to painting. And it involves thinking. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first began uh, seriously oil uh, painting, you know, oil painting, um, I, I heard over and over again, you have to learn to see. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that it really involves thinking skills. It, re it requires that, um, that we think differently when we look out on a scene uh, and and want to transpose that or put that on our canvas in, in a way that will be a composition that we think holds together. So uh, it's a very different way of seeing than if we're going out to get in the car, to drive to the grocery store. We're seeing, obviously, uh, and taking in what is going on around us. But it's not the kind of scene that we're talking about uh, in terms of painting. And so the first thing that comes to my mind when, when David was talking about learning to see was that um, the insight portion has to do with um, the creative process. And that the creative process really involves um, about four stages of, um, first it's, there's an insight that usually we have. We, we see something, and, and I always refer to this in terms of uh, plein air painting because outdoor painting is something that, that David and I do all the time. We, we conduct these workshops around that. And so somebody goes out with their easel and canvas and, um, and they set up in a place that they say, wow, I like the nature of how that tree is in relation to the marsh behind it and the, um, the hill over on the right-hand side and, and so forth and so on. So they get an insight or a feeling into something. And then the process moves into uh, something called saturation. And saturation is when we actually pick up a lot of 
of uh, information from the surrounding area. Now, when we talk about it in terms of painting, we talk about how the light, um, how the sun is, is in the sky, you know, if we've got shadows uh, that are, that are uh, on, the, on the ground, what, what is it that's happening? Do we have a windy day? Do we have a very still day? So we're moving into information gathering. And, um, and I think this is still all part of the insight. The insight is the thinking nature of painting. Um, then we might go into, in terms of the creative process, there's an incubation time. And that's when, like um, both Judy and David were referring to this idea that, you know, on the left side of the brain there's maybe cubicle, it's, it's usually thought of as the verbal uh, side, it's, it's verbal logical. And then the right side of the brain is more visual spatial and um, kind of takes in, and the right side, it, ta it, it does a lot of spatial thinking. And that is, it is not, it's more silent. And most of us don't realize that uh, we're in that right side of the brain, the visual spatial element, until maybe it's pointed out that we've lost track of time, <laughs> we're sitting there painting, you know, in this wonderful spot, and we, we see that, um, that we're, um, we're involved, we're sort of in a zone. That can a lot of times be described as, being, as coming from the right side. And, and so a lot of the right side spatial work is more unconscious. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it feeds into this insight that we have, this, this, this place of, I might want to say, illumination, or where we say, oh, I see how I'm going to structure this. I'm going to have that, that big oak tree come out being prominent, you know, and then I'm going to, I'm going to set the other stuff back a little further. But all of this is thinking um, skills that we place on painting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's, it's interesting um, that it's not just a case of, oh, I feel inspired, it's a beautiful day, I'm going to go out and paint and just set up your equipment and start swapping the paint on the canvas. There's actually a lot of thinking that goes in. And uh, what was it, Hibbard, who used to say, if you're not worn out at the end of painting, then you haven't been doing it right. So obviously he knew there was a lot of cerebral stuff going on as exactly. well, but do you, presumably you need to get to that point where some of it is, um, is second nature because you've been, you understand you have to do it and therefore you do it without having to think too hard about it, but you're thinking about the, how you're going to represent this scene. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a great question to ask David, but it seems to have slipped off. It's in one of those cubicles and <laughs> never to see the light of day again. My, my brain is just mush at the moment, so... Well, so, you know, I, it's interesting because you always make it very understandable. It sounds very, you know, when you talk about the psychology of art or the, the psychology of the artist, and it's like, wow, that's a lot to think about. But you always make it very, um, very understandable that this is what's going on in, the, in a creative brain. Very accessible. Yeah, accessible, that's very good. Yes, that's the word. Um, and so the point is, how do you help a student find 
this way to the, the creative side? How do you help somebody to, to learn to see? It's all very well to say, well, I know I don't see things, I don't observe well, I, I notice things, but I, they don't always make a, a big impact on me, you know, the piles of things in the living room. <laughs> I, I see them, I'm aware of them, but then they don't really register. How do you teach somebody to notice, to be, to be really observant, and, and then how to put that down onto a canvas? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think um, the, the lessons that I learned in, the, in sort of an academic system, um, if you could call it an academic system, was um, the discipline of training your eye to see the shape. I think that that, though, begs, and that, that's why I'm saying, I think the, the insight half here is much of the internal workings, the right and left side of the brain, Whereas I'm talking more about the um, understanding of looking at something and seeing it for the first time. Um, and I think we, as Connie pointed out, you have preconceived ideas about what you're seeing. And I think it's this communication. It's probably in the right and left side of the brain communicating back and forth with each other or getting along, we hope, with each other and not dividing uh, the, two, the, two, the two ideas together, but it's, the, it's that whole idea. And I think what the thought was amongst all the people who trained young artists was that they wouldn't be there in the first place if their intuitive side of their brain or the inspirational brain wasn't activated. So I think most art instructors or teachers, when the student approaches them and says, would you teach me to sing? Uh, I think I think they must have something within them, and I think the teacher go, takes it from that point of view. Doesn't quiz them on, uh, like if you have to go to a college um, and your um, um, SAT scores have to be really high marks, and they're probably all more geared for that left side. But anybody would come to a teacher like myself or Connie and ask, can you show me how to paint? We assume that there's, they've been inspired by that side of that brain, that, that, that intuitive sense. I think, yeah. And, um, and the, or else they wouldn't even take it on, mm -hmm. you know. Um, uh, you, you've painted, Julie. You, you've painted. <laughs> yeah, in, that's why I'm asking, how do you teach something to yet, see? Because obviously I you're a person. <laughs> you're a person who spends so much time with writing, and I would imagine you need a lot of a left side of the brain to be a writer because of all the... Mm -hmm the functions there, but you still need that creative side. Oh, you do. I'm in one of the cubicles looking out and thinking, oh, maybe I should be out there and sniffing the flowers. <laughs> see, no, no, I've got see, to stay now, in my cubicle. Most, most buildings would not have windows for those employees. They'd be in a cubicle. But you put a uh, window there. Yes, well, I do, because, I, yes, I do have a window. A window and, and onto I, the other side. And I think that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what we're so, saying, that... that the person would not come to them in the first place mm. if they didn't have, and I suppose the word would be talent. Mm. And I, I think you can not have just a talent to, to draw well and to make the object in your drawing look like the object so everybody can identify it. But the talent can come in design. I mean, I think some people have very talented sense of design. Some people color, their color sense so is very too. keen. Yeah. Uh, I think there's so many different ways of understanding talent. So just because you can train somebody to see, this is mechanical. What I'm talking about is that um, no, you, you made the if you look at the vase. I mean, how many times did my teacher come up to me and says, "You made the vase too tall and thin, David." Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm tall and thin. 
It's, it's smarter. It's fatter. Understand it. And we'd have to push that poor vase and squeeze it down <laughs> mentally and make it look rounded and to, in order to start understanding the scene, you know. And But I think the creative part's always going a mile a minute. And I, I think, too, um, there are ways psychologically to move from... Uh, now, we've been sort of referring to this right and left side of the brain. Uh, they are both different, different um, functions. They, they produce different functions. And we tend to, um, in our society, to be... Uh, to emphasize the, the language and the, and the logical, reasonable side, which is the left side. Um, and I think when people come to paint for the first time, they do tend to uh, be, that tends to be the dominant force. You know, you say, go, go ahead and paint the barn and the little sled beside it, and you say, barn and sled. You know, and you've got those down literally. Uh, yet, in uh, when we move toward true seeing, as David is talking about, is we see shapes out there. It's not a barn. It's not a sled. It's a shape, and the shapes merge together. They may be that the sled is uh, that that thing is overlapping the barn and creates another uh, kind of design altogether. And, um, and when we uh, allow that right side, the visual spatial side of the brain to come forward and to uh, express itself, we see more of that. Now, there are ways, and, and David and I are teaching the, these ways in our workshops, ways to, um, to allow the right side to come forward, to not be so silent, not be, and for the painter not to be so unaware of that right-sided visual-spatial element. Uh, and one of them happens to be, you can look at negative spaces. You know, a, a second one would be looking at the edges between uh, a tree and, and a bush that's next to it, or the tree and the ground. Or, um, you know, uh, David was also talking about the, the shape of something. You know, we see the two-dimensional shape, even though represented in our logical mind, we know that uh, a vase that's out there is three-dimensional that it is curved, it's round, it's all these kinds of things. But, but if we see it just as a strict shape or a color note, then what we're doing is we're accessing the visual-spatial function of the brain. I, I think that's well said, Connie. I, I think it's true. I think, uh, I think it's uh, about the form. Yes. And, uh, and there's so many different ways of understanding form. Uh, like I said, the rudimentary skills of learning to draw might be the beginning of a, a person beginning to learn to paint. But he's eventually he's going to say, you know, I don't want to draw something like my teacher drew. I'm going to change that. And it's the forms then. It's the forms of putting the barn and the sleigh together. And yet they have to work together because they do work together from what you saw. Right. I think one of the true tests for this is that uh, you know, we, we include this course too, is memory, memory work. I agree. And I think it's a, it's a great explanation as to exactly what we're talking about in that, yes, you have to visually learn to see, but then 
what you're going to probably come away with to remember, uh, the, not the objective things, but the object, the subject, you're going to try to get the whole form of how it was presented. And I think that's very, very, very important. And the, and, and the second thing that I would uh, say about that is that also there's an emphasis. You might find that in your memory, you wanted to emphasize that sleigh as opposed to the barn. And so in that, you, you let the barn fade out, maybe have soft edges, as opposed to the sleigh comes out and it's more dominant. But all of this occurs in the memory and in what we call the working memory. Now, just to identify, we, we were re referencing right and left side. Memory is most, mostly from which side? Memory? Well, it doesn't have a side. But is it, <laughs> is it front or back? Top or bottom? <laughs> just to complete. I don't have any dropping block. <laughs> I don't have any memory, so obviously <laughs> I don't have a side. Well, here we go. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I hate to cut you off in mid-flow there. Uh, this is a fascinating discussion. Our time has flown by, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more to say. But uh, I just want to give you a heads up, because uh, this discussion that Connie's been having about uh, the left and right side of the brain... Uh, we are going to have a, uh, a lecture by Connie, a presentation uh, and a critique coming up, I believe, in February. Um, I believe it's called A Voyage of Vision from Right to Left and Back Again. So if you're interested in all this very uh, interesting subject matter and how it can help you improve your painting, uh, stay tuned. We'll advertise the date when we get a bit closer. Uh, and we'd love to have you come along and join us and, uh, and find out whether your left and right side are getting along. So, uh, for the moment, I see out of the studio window it's trying to snow, so uh, I'll have to get my shovels ready. Uh, and so, until next week, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. So, thank you for joining us and uh, please join us again next week.